Hello, Julian. Hello, Mike. Hey, Mike, why are you wearing a flat cap? Well, same reason you are. Oh, yeah. Hey, it's because we've got the ferret nurse on tonight, haven't we? We have indeed. Anna Mercer, the ferret nurse. Should we get her in? Yeah. Hi, I'm Mike Brampton. And my name is Julian Hope. Welcome to Veterinary Ramblings. Hi. Hello. You okay? Oh, hello. 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 We, we've got a- how are you? Are you okay? We got Loud our clear, gear on. You've got your... Oh, you have? Oh, I love it. We've got our yeah. flat caps. <laughs> you look Anna very Mercer, good. how lovely to meet you. Oh, you too. Thanks for um, Thanks for inviting me to be on. You're very welcome. You're yeah. very welcome. Mike, I'm Julian. Hello. Hello. Have you got yourself a drink, Anna? I have. I'm just on the water, I'm afraid. It's a school night, so... Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, so, so suddenly you're taking school nights very seriously... But yes, in order to record this, you left the practice reasonably early, leaving them with an emergency femur and a pyo. I did, yes. <clears throat> okay. We're getting the measure of you, Anna. That's all I can see. <laughs> <laughs> they can handle it. They're they're a really good team. They you know they can handle it. Good, good. Is it a big team? Um, well, we should be four vets, um, but we're down to two. Uh, one lovely vet, Myrtle, she left to do um, uh, a, a placement up in Edinburgh. So we're, we're trying to, re- we've got a new vet starting in January and we're trying mm. to recruit another one as well. But as you guys know, vets are pretty hard to come by. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. They're as, they're as rare as ferret feathers. They are. Yes, mm. they are as rare as ferret feathers. Um, so, yeah, we, we are, we're, we're quite busy. Yeah, we've got, um, I think we've got maybe about five or six nurses. So, yeah, we've got a couple of students. So, yeah. Uh, how many branches? One branch, two, three, eight? Uh, so, we're part of a corporate. So, we've got quite a few. Um, mm-hmm. We're White White Cross. Mm-hmm. You've heard of us. Oh, right. Yes, yes. I've heard yeah. of White Cross. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I've been there for maybe probably about five months now. So, I right. only qualified in, um, in January. All right. Congratulations. So, uh, yeah, so mm-hmm. I was, um, it was delayed about 10 months because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So originally I was supposed to do my, it was quite a stressful time really, because I was originally all set to do my Oscars. So I was at the college having a training day. Yeah. And um, on our lunch break, the one of the tutors came in and was uh, said, oh, unfortunately, that we're going to have to cancel the Oscars, which were due the following week because of mm-hmm. uh, it was just before the lockdown was announced. So we'd done all this preparation oh, and spent gosh. all this time like going for everything for it to be cancelled. Um, and then the goalposts kept changing over lockdown. The dates were changed as the lockdown carried on. No one knew what was happening. So we ended up doing a uh, an alternative to the Oscars, which was like um, a case-based, sort of based on the day one skills. Mm-hmm. And it was over over Zoom um, with right. an examiner. And that was, yeah, it was the first time it had ever been done. So no one knew what to expect. Um, and I, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. it was quite a stressful time. I feel very sorry for you. It's been a very yeah. stressful time. I think yeah. it's only been doing exams of any sort during that. I need, I need to know, I need to know if you use that classic Zoom video call ruse when you're at an awkward or difficult question. And so you just go... <laughs> <laughs> you know what? No, but I really wish I'd, I had done that because, yeah, yeah. 
I think, I think the, the worst bit was at the beginning we had to... Oh, sorry. Hello, missed that bit for a second there. <laughs> at the beginning... And, and as you're doing it, you can sort of have your, your phone just on on, on, uh, on Google to see if that's... Doesn't really work, does it? I'm not, I'm not no. good at that. Well, yeah. uh, before we started the exam, I had to sort of um, turn my screen around to show her the entire room. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so I had to kind of like... Um, <laughs> remove all like lazy, the fairy pictures she? and the crazy Christmas decorations I had up and try and make it look a bit more, <laughs> a bit more sensible. <laughs> what, what was the relevance in that? That there weren't three people sitting behind you with all the answers? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, to so see I wasn't cheating. So, yeah. Wow. Mm, wow. And, and obviously you passed. Yes. Yeah. I was um, quite shocked when I got the news because I just came out of it thinking, oh gosh, like what, what was that? Because I was so sort of prepared for my Oscars. I, you know, I knew them like the back of my hand, really, and then being thrown in with this alternative thing, mm-hmm. um, and no one knew what they were going to sort of ask. And she was asking me sort of things about like radiography legislation. I was like, oh, I, I don't know. I've not really touched on that since first year. Um, mm-hmm. So I was a bit, I was a bit apprehensive to say the least after it. But, um, but so you yeah, were, of course, up. aware of the uh, 2019 amendments to the. Uh, uh, ionizing radiations in veterinary practices. Yes, I was yeah. completely aware of them, but for some reason they'd just <laughs> gone out of my head. I think it must have been, mm-hmm. yeah, it must have been nerves. Oh, yeah. So I passed. Yeah. And here I am. So well done. Good. Yeah. Good. Well done. So why vet nursing? Uh, so I guess um, it all started with bats, funnily enough. So I've been um, rescuing bats as a volunteer for the Bat Conservation Trust uh, for quite a few years. I've not been on the curlist register for maybe the past two, mainly because studying um, took up mm. so much time. It was difficult to sort of keep up with the, the bat rescuing. And I think wildlife rehab, you've got to do it 100%. There's no sort of like 80%. You've, you've got to be focused with it and committed. Mm. But before that, I was doing it for years. And um, I'd be rescuing bats, rehabilitating them, working with my local vet, which is funnily the vets that I'm actually working at now. Um, They really inspired me, you know, working with the vets Mm. and vet nurses. So we'd go in, discuss a case, get meds if they needed meds, rehabilitate them and releasing them. And I just kind of got a real satisfaction seeing these little amazing creatures get better and go back into the wild. And then one Mm. of my friends, close friends, actually said to me, you know what, Annette, you'd make a really good vet nurse. Why don't you look into it? But I was sort of early 30s at the time, and I kind of thought, I, I, I don't know, like I'm, I'm a little bit old to be sort of changing my career and sort of restudying and going into it. Um, but I, I found a, uh, I'd already got a degree, sorry, in fine art, so I couldn't go through the degree route, so funding right. wasn't an option. So it was the case of finding a placement, which were pretty hard to come by, which still are. Uh, but I was really lucky to find a placement at um, a Vets for Pets surgery quite local to me started off on reception uh, did vca and then managed to get the uh, uh, go through the sort of the, the diploma route sorry mm. so you were going to college for one day a week and then work the rest in practice so i was really right. lucky in that respect so yeah it was all down to little bats i've got i've got so many questions for you anna I, yeah, yeah me too i, I mean I love, like, bats. W- love bats what got oh, you into God. bats but you've oh, so, taken it far further than we have I know. So I'd always been quite fascinated with bats. Um, I think I quite like animals that have a bit of a bad reputation because ferrets have a bit of a bad reputation. Mm. And I don't know. I think I'm drawn to these types of animals. Maybe, maybe 
Maybe when I was younger, I had a bit of a bad reputation. I was going to say, do you have a bad reputation? Well, I think I might have done because I, <laughs> when I was younger, I was always like tattooed, pierced, and it was a bit before tattoos were everywhere. And I think people with tattoos had a bit of a bad reputation. And you know, obviously, I, I, you know, I did notice on, on one of your website photos a, a beautiful drawing on your arm. Yes. There we go. There it is. No, oh, wow. That's amazing. So that's no. um, that's my bass guitar, actually. Some mm. lotus flowers and things. So wow. So yeah, um, I've always been fascinated by by bats. And um, my boyfriend at the time had organised as a surprise to go and visit a fabulous lady based in the Lake District called Gail Armstrong. She's been rescuing bats. She's like the bat oracle. She's fabulous, and she's right. been doing this for oh gosh, probably like thirty years or something like that. And um, mm. she had little bat pups at the time. So I went up there. It was like a surprise, and I got to meet her. And she was so inspiring. Um talked all about bats and she let me feed some of the little pups and that was it I was just hooked yeah I started to sort of do a bit of like research and I got on google and I was amazed to find there's like more people who are a little bit odd like me and they have bat groups so there was local bat groups so I was like oh my gosh I need to sort of join one of these bat groups ended up joining a bat group um, got friendly with a local bat care, Hal Green, who I basically shadowed him. So he'd been doing bat care for quite a while. Shadowed him, went out on rescues. We ended up going everywhere. It met loads of different people. It was like, it was a lot of fun. Um, basically worked with him, learning what to do. Uh, then I set up a, like a little bit of a bat hospital in my spare room. So I kind of spent a bit of money on getting some kits or some... Um, heat mats uh like scales uh little um the, the little plastic uh like reptile type containers to put yeah. them in yeah uh and sort of went from there really um mm. yeah so that's how i kind of got into it and also obviously if you've ever been to chester zoo i don't know that's local that's my sort of local zoo yeah right. the bat cave in there like you can't get me out of that bat cave <laughs> I, I i used to i used to be uh the the, the vet for the um Bat conservation group in our area until I moved out of it and, and you know I had so many wonderful experiences there um I think there, there are much much better uh bat vets now looking after that particular yeah. area than me but uh, I said I find them absolutely fascinating yeah. and so rewarding to work on as well because they are you know we we, we forget really that, that they are mammals and therefore mm. uh, can can bond with with people in much the same way as many other mammals can yeah, and they're not, um, I think because uh, a lot of the horror movies present them as quite, you know, blood-sucking, vampire, they've got this bad reputation, but when you get them in the hand, they, they don't want to bite or attack, they're not vicious at all, they're, they're really calm little beings. Um, mm. Yeah, and also to go out at night and, and, and watch them in the sky is just, uh, I've got a bat detector and um, I did some work for an ecologist consultancy doing some surveys for them i did that yeah. for quite a few years and you know going out just sort of going to roosts doing like dawn surveys watching them all like swarm it's just magical yeah oh, it is. never get really never is. get bored of it yeah. never get bored of like seeing a pipistrel just a little what, what is a bat detector oh so it's this super amazing little device and it basically turns the echolocation into a sound that we can hear so right. bats will, different bats will echolocate at different frequencies. Yep. So you can set your bat detector and you can go out, uh, walk and you'll, you'll pick up this noise. Sounds a little bit like, a bit like an alien. It's a bit of a strange sort of mm -hmm. 
strange noise, but you can then identify bats with the frequency they're echolocating. And right. also um, some bats will echolocate on the same frequency, but they may sound a little bit different. So you can start kind of tune your ear to, to the bats. And they actually have, there was a study done a few years back to show that rats have regional accents, don't they? There are regional variations. Yeah, I did see something, yeah. In, in, yeah. in the pitch and frequency. It's I think I don't know the scouse bats. <laughs> Are there any flies there? Any flies? Flies there, like on, flies. Any flies? Any flies? <laughs> Go on, little fly, little fly. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm, I'm um, quite fluent in Scouse echolocation. Wow! <laughs> wow! Amazing! Amazing! Cool. I went to a, I went to a bat cave in in Malaysia on my honeymoon to Artalinga, um, and it was that's probably closed now because of COVID, isn't it? Probably last time we're able to do that but we had to climb down this rather slippery uh ramp into into the back cave mm. and there were tens of thousands of bats it was absolutely wonderful that sounds I mean, the, like stench, the stench was yeah. awful yeah. what my wife didn't like was that there were rat snakes as well so our torches and head torches were, were picking out these lovely little bat eyes and then occasionally we'd pick out just one eye that looked a little different mm. than the others yeah. And the, the guy would say, oh, rat snake. And, and my wife would grip my hand tighter. <laughs> I, remember yeah, seeing, not, yeah. I remember seeing footage of that and the, the snakes dangling down from the roof. And just grabbing them. The and bats they, as they, as they yeah. fly out every evening or fly back. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they, they look pretty well fed, these snakes. Mm, yeah. Yeah. yeah, probably are. So what, I'm actually quite a, a I don't know, a, a rubbish bat worker, really, because I hate heights. Hate heights. Mm. When I've had to go up ladders to put bat boxes up, I'm a crumbling mess. And I hate small enclosed spaces. So I've had a few semi-panic attacks going down sort of um, caves and things to look for yeah. bats. Yeah. Yeah. So your, your, ideal, your ideal bat cave then is, is sort of sea level and a great big yeah. cavern. Big open space. Big open space, mm. but not too high. Yeah, mm. not too high, where I can just stand on, grounded on the floor. Right. Yeah, that's that would be ideal for me. So what what were you doing whilst you were doing all this bat stuff? Uh, so um at the time I was working for um a company that specialised in animal assisted therapy. So basically right. we had contracts with the NHS a lot of the time or private hospitals, and we'd go into some of the mental health wards, some right. of the secure units, some of the, the children's units, um, and we'd taken all sorts of animals. So it was actually one of the best jobs I think I've ever had. I, I really loved that job. We we had um, so we had reptiles, we had bearded dragons, we had some like snakes, we had a, a lovely ball python, um, we had little lesser tenrics, um, meerkats at one spell. Uh, we had skunks, mm-hmm. um, and we we would take them in, and it it was just magical seeing the effect these animals would have on people who were really quite poorly. Right. Um, some of the staff would say that some of the doctors had been in that week, tried to get them out of bed and they just weren't responding. But as soon as they knew we were there for our session with the animals, um, they were up, they were interacting. As soon as you gave them an animal, it was like they just calmed down. They were asking wow. questions, they were engaged <laughs> and, you know, and they would look forward to our weekly visits. And it's a really, really rewarding rewarding job and some of the brain injury units it was more about um like the sensory side of the animals like how the reptiles would feel like um the softness of the skunks 
mm. the movement of the snake on the body um, and things like that. So, yeah, it was it was a great job. And I guess that's what kind of sparked my interest in ferrets was mm. um, basically falling in love with a skunk called Jeffro. <laughs> you fell in love with a skunk I called did. Jethro. Yeah. So the company that I worked for had um, a male and female who had little skunk kits, and um, they were rehoming them. Uh, but I fell in love with one, and they said, "Well, you know, you can name him." I said, "Well, I'm going to name him Jethro after one of my favourite bands, Jethro Tull." I, don't know if I was going to say, was it, was it Jethro the comedian or Jethro Tull? It was Jethro I, I was thinking about the seed drum. <laughs> yes, the seed drum. Inventor of the siege. The guy on one leg with a flute. That's who I'm talking about. Right. Okay. Yeah. So named him Jeffro, refused to let them rehome him. He was coming with my little team of animals. Um, Mm. So I got quite bonded with him. Um, But my living situation didn't really, I couldn't really accommodate the skunk. You know, they had big enclosures and whatnot. Mm. So it kind of just led me to being quite fascinated with musclers in general. I think they're just. They've got such a cheeky character, weasels, polecats, pine martins. They're all of a very cheeky, little inquisitive nature. Yeah, they, they've got this, they've got this yeah. reputation for it as well, haven't they? Yeah. Um, you know, we all know weasels or, or, or lawyers, I guess, in their human name. <laughs> yes. Um, but they're all um, uh, mischievous. Yes. And, mm. and, and that, that sort of sinuous body tends to give a, a wily, um, I don't know, Persona to them. I mean, who framed Roger Rabbit? The the weasels were the nasty guys, weren't they? But they Again, weren't, it's they the bad reputation. They were they were mischievous rather than nasty. Yeah. Mm. Uh, as for ferrets, they are one hundred percent mischievous. They are. Mm. Yeah. I oh, want yeah. to know what happened to Jethro. Oh, Jethro's still going. Yeah, he's still going out visiting. Gosh. So was yeah. was he descended? No, it's actually um, as far as I know, it was back then uh, illegal to descent in this country i think they do it in america well um, at one stage yeah. the only way they were allowed to be imported into the country was if they were descended okay. although although the operation was illegal in this country mm. yeah no so. he he was um and that's one of the questions we used to get asked because if people hadn't met him before mm. they'd be really wary you know because he's you know mm. is he going to spray am i going to sting um but with the um with the skunks as, as kits if you bring them up in the environment where they're used to everything. So used to noises, mm. used to other animals, used to traveling, used to people. They don't ever feel threatened. So they're not going to use the spraying of the, of the glands, um, mm. you know, cause that's the defense mechanism, isn't it? They would mm. spray and then yeah. leg it yeah. basically. And then whatever they spray is going to stink forever. So, um, so yeah, he, he would never spray because he was so used to, to everything. He was really calm. He'd just sleep on people's knees and give them cuddles. He was, Yeah. Oh, great little guy! And does he but still he sort play of the flute? My, he led me to ferrets, really, and I guess I've got him to thank for this. And does he still play the flute? <laughs> yes, he does. Actually, <laughs> he talking, hold on, we're talking about the skunk or the band because I've been to see the band and he's still playing the flute. Uh, how many times have you seen Ian Anderson's Jethro Tull? Then probably only about four. All right, yeah, but I've seen Martin Barr, who's the guitarist. Yeah, yeah. I've seen him um, do his own stuff quite a few times. He does like some Jeffro stuff, but he kind of blueses it up. Yeah. Mm. So he's, yeah, he's, he's such a good guitarist, so I've been to see him quite a lot. And you, you play bass guitar yourself, do you? Yeah, I play bass. I've been playing bass for probably about, gosh, maybe 10, 12 years, something like that. Right. Yeah. 
so I've been in covers bands in the past where we've sort of done um, like classic rock on a Friday and Saturday night to drunk people in pubs and I kind of got a little bit bored of doing that. So um, we're just doing uh, originals at the moment. So we got a, a short set ready to gig just before the pandemic. We did one gig and then lockdown. <laughs> so oh. we've, um, and then the past two gigs we've cancelled because of, of COVID. So I had COVID at one spell. Our singer got mm. COVID at the last time. So yeah, we've had a bit of bad luck. You have. Sounds it. Yeah. Sounds it. But hopefully we're going to do a bit of recording um, early next year. And right. Yeah, record some stuff and maybe get some more gigs. So do you, do you write do you write the songs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's um, we tend to write with me and our guitarist Emma. So we tend to write little riffs. Uh, we'll kind of send them to each other, like just a little recording, and then we might have a little mess around at home and then we'll get together, put them together, work on a song. And then once we've got a couple of ideas going, we'll then take it to the bands. So we've got a singer mm. and a drummer and they'll sort of put their bits to it. So, yeah, it kind of all stops with me with me and Emma, really. So and what sort of, what, who are your, your, your um, inspirations for, for these songs? Um... Do, so do you have a, I style? Have a, a very eclectic music taste. I like, I like everything from sort of, um, well, Jeff Rowe told a bit of prog, mm. a bit of blues, a bit of sort of heavy rock, like a bit of metal. And then I love a bit of 80s cheese. Nothing like, wrong with 80s cheese, is there? I know. There? So it, I, I suppose our stuff is a little bit proggy. It's a little bit rocky. It's a bit heavy. And then we do some weird time signatures. I don't, yeah, it's difficult to put it in a sort of genre, really. Mm. Yeah. Sounds good. Send us a demo. Yeah, I will. When I record, maybe you can tell me what sort of genre it is. <laughs> maybe I've created a new one. I don't know. It could be a, a whole new thing. I don't know. It could be. It could yeah. be a ferret rock. It could be, yeah. Mm. Or it could be completely rubbish. I don't know. You you can judge. Who knows, hey? So, fine arts degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, um, yeah, a long time ago now. I did that mm. at John Moore's uh, Liverpool. Right. Yeah. Um, so Subtle I, change I, I, in accent there. Yeah, yeah. I suppose um, I, I kind of started off when I was a lot younger um, with playing guitar and then I sort of fell out of love a little bit and discovered my love for art. And so <clears> when I'd finished school, did my A-levels, um, both my brothers had gone and done degrees or whatnot and it was kind of it's kind of like the done thing, I suppose. And I kind of thought mm-hmm. to myself, if I'm going to do a degree, what am I kind of going to stick at? And the kind yeah. of thing that I thought was maybe maybe art. Um, I've always loved animals, but I've always had a severe allergy to them. Mm-hmm. So when I was younger, unfortunately, touching dogs, cats, anything, I'd, my asthma was really bad. My eyes would all just flare up, be watery, and I couldn't breathe. So going down the animal route was never really an option. So yeah, I did, I did fine art. Um, and then I had a studio in Duke Street in Liverpool for a little bit. Had some work in the biennial. And then um, kind of had to get like a job and pay some bills. So I ended up, <laughs> yeah, had to sort that of good. kind of semi-grow up. Um, so, yeah, the art sort of went on the back burner a little bit. I still like going to the art galleries. I went to see the Van Gogh exhibition last weekend in Manchester, um, mm-hmm. the live experience one. I still, I still do enjoy art, but I don't practice it anymore. I haven't. Mm. Ferrets are taking up all my time. These pesky <laughs> ferrets. Oof. Although you, you, you've got a few, you've done a few lovely pictures of ferrets, haven't you? 
Um, is that you or all no, that's not me no i can't take credit for those no right sorry i saw Um, them on your website they were um one of our fabulous nurses and work uh, louise actually bought me that the other week um a little hand painted on wood um she didn't do it she can't take credit either but it was a commission of my my two ferrets so yeah she had me in tears before like nine o'clock before my shift had even started i was crying when i saw this yeah (laughs) (laughs) glad to hear it no other way yeah, no. I, 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 understand, I, I understand that you, you left work early today, just as two major emergencies were coming in. Yes, I did, yes. Um, and uh, just just so that you could come and record with us tonight. Just, well, basically, I think everyone's really bored of me talking about ferrets now, and you guys are like fresh ears. I've got like <laughs> new blood I can, I can bore. <laughs> so the chance to bore some new people about ferrets... Mm. I, I weighed up the options and I thought, you know what, my team are fabulous. Like they'll be handling all this, and I, I bet they're pretty glad to get rid of me to go and talk to someone else about ferrets as well. But, but well, they, also, they did say they've given us a bit of money actually to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I can believe that. Yeah, I, I get the impression that had one of these or both of these emergencies been ferrets, then uh, we probably wouldn't be talking now. Hundred percent. Yeah, I'm not even going to lie to you about that. Yeah. 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 Or or badgers. Yeah, well, sure yeah. Any muscles, really. Yeah. Every every uh, every mustelid fans definitely. The whole practice would be stinking. Yeah, yeah, it would. It would. It would. Bad, badges are dangerous things to deal with. I I, I have uh, I've operated on a few in the past and and almost lost hands and fingers. Oh yeah. Doing so. I've never uh, dealt. I've never met a badger. I've only ever seen them sadly um, on bat surveys when they've been hmm. unfortunately knocked down by cars and. Yeah. yeah, they're a bit beyond resuscitation at that, that point. Um, so, yeah, I've never seen one in real life. I'd, I'd, I'd love to be really fascinated. Um, they're well, great. They are stinky. Yeah, they are stinky, imagine, but yeah. they're beautiful, but they are uh, uh, rather, rather fierce. Um, I, I saw my first one only three years ago. Wow, yeah. And that, mm. was, that was on the Isle of Wight. Mm. And I was going to go and take a dawn photograph of the needles with the uh, the moon setting behind them. Wow. And I was on my motorcycle and suddenly there was a shadow on the road in front of me. And I couldn't work out quite what it was. Mm. As the headlight picked him up, that was my first badger. Wow. I think it's a real treat, isn't it? When you're mm. out in nature and you see, like, I always think if I see a barn owl, if I've been on a bat survey in the past, mm. just something happens to me. I sort of like freeze and I kind of, I don't know, yeah. I just, it's just magical. It's yeah. awe-inspiring, isn't it? Yeah. It, it oh, really yeah. is. We're, yeah. we're so lucky because we have badgers with a little field. Wow. Lined up, and I asked me, We've got badgers there, mm. and so we quite often see them yeah. frolicking and romping and actually just looking miserable because that's what, that's what badgers are really good at. Yeah. When you see them, they shamble, they don't just walk, they shamble. Mm. And you can imagine if they're talking, the ferrets will be going around saying, Oh, look at this, what's that? Oh, I love that. What's, what's going on here? And badgers go, Oh, buggery, and bloody going around. So I hate slugs, I think the 50s, and I bloody hate them. <laughs> I don't know, go on a burger or something like, oh, for heaven's sake, another bike. Who's that? That's a bloody mic, that is. <laughs> <laughs> so do you do any art now at all? No, I just I just don't have time. Um, so when I qualified, I, I was intended on taking a bit of a, a bit of break to chill, just yeah. have a bit of a chill. Um, but then I sort of changed jobs to where I'm at now. And um, I was really open in my interview that I was, you know, real keen on exotics and wildlife, wanted to progress, wanted to do some mm. of the exotic certificate. 
Um, and in my mind, I was thinking maybe six, 10 months, I'll kind of approach my head nurse, Andrew, because um, he's really supportive and maybe see if I could, you know, go and do this. But hmm. I think I must have been there for two weeks and he called me and he was like, oh, this is the certificate, you know, do you want to do it? And I was like, yes, like 100%. So I ended up doing that. And then obviously um, sort of doing my own research on the ferrets and then the band and I just don't have time. I mean, maybe it's something in the future I'll I'll get back into. And when I was at uni, I was doing sort of big, huge canvases, which were about five foot by six foot. And I was really into abstract expressionism. And I was using like fabrics. And I think I probably need like a studio to go back to that sort of stuff again. And, you know, it's, mm. yeah. 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 Gosh, I've never well, really got abstract expressionism. I must admit, I'm, I'm very much one of those people like Pope Gregory. Um, actually, completely unlike Pope Gregory, but it, similar in the way that I don't know much about art, but I know what I like. And yes. um, I'm not I'm not very good at looking at, at, at Picasso or Chagall and thinking, yes, I see what they're trying to say here. I look very simplistically and think, do I like the colour mix? Or I like that. To be honest with you, with abstract expressionism, you're not far wrong, really, because it's all about how it, like the emotions it makes you feel, like the kind of not painting something figuratively to kind of work out what's going on. It's more about how you connect with the colours, the shapes. Um, mm. I remember going down to the Tate London and seeing a Rothko exhibition and there was just this big room with maybe six of his massive paintings on the wall. And I don't know, it was kind of a little bit, it was almost like some sort of like ex, like a religious experience or something. Like I just felt so, so calm because he does like, are you familiar with his sort of like floating squares kind of thing and yes and yeah. i think if you were to see that maybe in a book you might just think that's just like a square it's just like what you know i think that's the problem i, I did yes I, I went to uh the fondation mars in um just near nice it's outside nice many years ago and and saw some of these paintings for the first time in real life mm. and, and they weren't just little squares in books mm. but they were sort of four or five meters square and, and they were fantastic although i did wind up one of the curators there who came out and said to me, and so were you, you interested in this? I was, I was about sort of 20 at the time. Um, he didn't know anything about Arthur Stallings. He said, you interested in this? Uh, it, it evokes an emotion, doesn't it? I said, yes, it does, yes. Mainly it's odd. It makes me feel physically sick. And he said, yes, yes, he can do this. And I, I've never known to this date whether he was taking the mickey as well. But <laughs> At least it evokes something, and that's the whole part of art, isn't it? That's it the whole is. point. It doesn't matter what it makes you feel. If it creates some sort of feeling, then it's kind of done its job. And each piece of art will mean something different to whoever looks at it. And that that's the beauty mm. of it, really, I guess. So, yeah, maybe one day I'll go back and do a bit of painting. Yeah, yeah. Abstract ferrets. Yeah, yeah. That'd be great. Or maybe I could use the ferret. No, maybe not. <laughs> the, um... Don't want to give anyone any crazy ideas. All right, ferrets <laughs> are not paintbrushes. But no, they're not. They're not. <laughs> and, and, and you, you, you've lectured on uh, ferrets, I believe, or, or you teach. Um, no, I've I've done a couple of lectures on on bats in the past. Bat. I do uh, apologise, bats. Yeah. yeah um, not not on ferrets. So I guess. I'm sort of at the beginning of my journey with the whole ferret mm -hmm. thing. Um, when I was uh, studying uh, vet nurse training, um, 
I'd always be really excited when some ferret came up or if any ferrets came into the practice, I'd be like right on it, you know, like the vet would come out, who wants to help me with this ferret? And I'd turn around and there'd be like nurses hiding in the, the store cupboard, pretending to be a sharp spin, like anything to sort of not have to help with this ferret. And I'd be straight in there. Yeah. Um, but when you're studying, I guess it's like you're always studying for the next exam, the next assignment. There's no real space to study on something that you're really interested in. So as soon as I qualified, I was like, right, that's it. I'm just going to devote all my sort of spare time into um, researching ferrets because uh, it was quite apparent that there was a lack of confidence with ferrets when they came into the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I kind of wanted to sort of change that, I guess, a, a little bit. Um, you know, we had one ferret came in that was a stray and um, we were putting it on Facebook as anyone lost this ferret and one of the nurses said oh it's a female ferret she was like all right okay so I went and had a look at it and I was like no this is a male ferret and she was like it's not it's female I said no that's not its belly button and I just thought like I don't know do we do we know so like do we not know so much about ferrets um and uh when my when my ferret had to come in uh he was lame so we we brought him in for x-rays and sort of no one really knew what to do you know it was a bit like what what do we do with this ferret? How, do we gas him down? Do we inject, do we use injectables? And it was kind of like mm. a, you know, looking through books, who do we ask? And, um, and the, it was a, a low convert we had on at the time and his words, it's something that really stuck out to me. He, when we were doing it, I was like, Oh, please look after him. He's my baby. You know, mm. he was like, Oh, it's just a ferret. And I was like, just a ferret. And those words sort of, I don't know, they really stuck with me because sometimes when, small furries present to our practice there is a little sometimes a little bit of an attitude of it's just a rabbit it's just a ferret because they're not a dog or a cat maybe people might think these bonds aren't as strong with these small furries but one of the first things we learn in our course is about being you know empathy with the owners Mm. and the human animal bond and it doesn't matter if it's a fish or a dog that bond can be just as strong as it is with that dog or with another human Um, yeah yeah Absolutely, I completely, I completely agree. The, the, the degree of interaction doesn't that uh, doesn't have any bearing on on the attachment that the, the owner can have. And I've known owners to be absolutely uh, woebegone uh, to, to the point of severe depression. Yeah, when, I've um, seen grown men when, when a land snail has died. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've seen yeah. sort of grown men in absolute in, unconsolable because their hamsters had to be put to sleep, and it, you know. It's just, um, yeah. And I guess it's, that just sparked a, a quest. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. And and when you guys contacted me to say, do you want to sort of be a guest on the show? My initial reaction was, you know, I've seen quite of your past guests. Sorry, the past guests that you've had on have been really established within their careers. And I kind of emailed back and was like, oh, I don't think I'm really the right person. I, I've only just qualified. I'm at the beginning of my journey. Blah blah blah. And then you guys were like, no, no, it'd be really good. You know, come on the show. And um, I kind of thought to myself, well, I guess talking about the journey is just as important as the destination. And in veterinary, do we really have a destination? Because we're always learning, aren't we? Mm. We're, we're, we're ships tossed in the sea, aren't we? Yeah, and we, we there's move always about things to know. And... Absolutely. Always, always new ideas to, to catch yeah. your eye and make you think, oh, oh, maybe I'll learn more about that. So yeah. I'm just wondering what the slogan should be for the, for the new campaign to be. Not um, just a ferret. Not, not just a ferret, or to, to a ferret. stop this speciesism going on. Mm, yeah, Don't be speciesist. 
<laughs> yeah. And I think as well, if you think about how the care for rabbits over the years is just incredible. Um, you know, we've got the RWAF mm. now. Where, yeah. I mean, I've just done all the paperwork for, for our practice so we could um, be a, a, an accredited practice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've got, uh, and, you know, they're great. Rabbit care has improved so much with our protocols. And then you've got, you know, the Guinea Pig Awareness Week where I've seen practices get really involved with that, which is great. And then kind of ferrets don't have anything. I mean, you can argue this for other species, you know, but it just so happens that ferrets are my passion. But I kind of, I'd, I'd love sort of at some point down the future for there to be maybe like a little online hub where vets can register and be accredited, put some protocols for ferrets in where people can go and get like drug doses or like case studies or access to ferret knowledgeable vets and nurses. And yeah, that's my little Mm. dream. I don't know if it'll ever, ever happen, but that's what I'd love to see. So maybe, maybe you should, maybe you should make it happen. Yeah. yeah. Well, if anyone's listening that wants to collaborate, get in touch. Because <laughs> I can't there do it go. by myself. <laughs> Open invitation. It sounds like you can do most of it by yourself. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Well, but it's, it's, it's great to see someone at the beginning of, of your of your newest career. Yeah. As you yeah. said, you know, we, we, we've had some wonderful guests on. Yes. Uh, who've almost, it seems, has, have reached the, 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 the pinnacle, the, what they perhaps refer to as, as the not the end point of their career, because I think the end point of your career is you retire. Mm. But the what they've set out to do, their target, and and, and having someone who's who's dynamically involved in shaping yeah. their, their new career is is uh, is different. Refreshing change makes it's nice for, for new interesting topics. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So, so let me let me ask you, Anna. I mean, have you come across? a section of the show that we like to do, we like to call 60 Second CPD. Yes, I have. Have you? I, I am prepared. You ready for this? Yes. I, I've wrote it down. Am I able to read it? Or No, no. Is it, is it about ferrets? Well, you would have thought, wouldn't you, that I've got this great opportunity to maybe teach some people about ferrets. Right. And I've not gone for that. Oh, okay. I've actually done my 60 Second CPD on hummus. On hummus? <laughs> well, I wasn't expecting that. For listeners, Julian was just taking a sip of his whiskey there to ease his throat, and as Anna said, hummus. I think I think was that a, was that a, a sort of a representation of hummus spraying out of your mouth as you a little, a little bit come out of my nose and a very small bit out of my right tears up too, right. which stings quite a lot now. Um, I wasn't I wasn't expecting that. Although you 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 did say in your in your letter to us that, or to, to Alicia, yeah. our producer. That, that you you felt that your addiction to hummus was um, uh, was beyond your control now. You, you were thinking yeah. of seeking some help. No, mm. I'm not even going to get any help. I'm You're not. No, you just got to accept it. So yeah, is this, this, is this is part, part of you know, is this part of your therapy then? Maybe it is. Yeah, maybe it is. Okay. It, yeah, I'm, I'm still not going to give it up. I can't give it up. <laughs> Anna Mercer, ferret nurse. 60 seconds on hummus, starting now. Okay. The word hummus means chickpea in Arabic. The earliest mention of the spread dates back to Egypt during the 13th century. It is low in saturated fat and high in fibre and protein. Hummus also offers complex carbohydrates to make you feel satisfied and full. Hummus contains some omega-3 fats, calcium, magnesium, iron and zinc, as well as most of the B vitamins. The sesame seeds in the tahini also reduce inflammation. 
The largest serving of hummus was 10,452 kilograms. This hummus was made by around 300 student chefs in Beirut. Its basic ingredients are chickpeas, sesame, lemon and garlic. Studies show that those who eat hummus tend to weigh less and have better regulated blood sugar than those who don't. Hummus, hummus eaters also have a lower blood pressure, lower cholesterol, reduced risk of diabetes, heart disease and certain cancers. India is the largest producer of chickpeas. A serving of hummus is approximately one to two tablespoons, unless you're me and then it's normally one to two tubs. Flavours include beetroot, roasted pepper, sun-dried tomato, smoked lemon, uh, smoked lemon, just to name a few. <laughs> well, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go and buy some hummus and sort my blood pressure out. Oh, we've got we've got some hummus in the fridge. I'm just going to yeah, make some. Yeah, see, it's, it's the magical cure, really. We don't, we I love it. Do, do you make your own hummus? Pardon? Do you make your own hummus? Uh, well, I did quite a lot, but I have to confess, it's, it's never been quite as good as some of the bought ones I've had. So which is yeah. your favourite bought hummus then? Oh, well, it'd have to be between the smoked beetroot hummus. Mm. Or there's a hummus which is made of, it's, it's going to sound really disgusting, but it's pea protein hummus. I've had that. Nice well. I've had yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and um, it's got more extra protein in. I like I like little pomegranate seeds on my hummus. Oh, nice, nice. I like a bit of chopped nice. sun-dried tomatoes on mine. Mm. Yeah. Pretty good, pretty good. <laughs> I don't, I, 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 eat, I eat a fair amount of hummus. I don't have so much these days because my 14-year-old daughter um, polishes it off before I can get to it. Oh, God, I know, um, God, I know. But, but the good thing is that she doesn't like onion barges. Of course, they're very, very healthy, having chickpeas mm. and, and onions in. Uh, yeah. So I eat a lot of those. Uh, yeah. Usually with a, a bit of a sort of side salad of um, of, of vindaloo. Um, very healthy. Very healthy. Very mm. healthy, I thought. Yes. But hummus, yeah, I, I'm going for that. that that's I, I want to know what got you into hummus, because you're as enthusiastic about hummus as you are ferrets. <laughs> I know. Quite worrying. Yeah. I, think, I think I've always been vegetarian for years and years, and then about two years ago I decided to go fully vegan. Okay. So... Um, I kind of used hummus in replace of mayonnaise, in replace of salad dressing, in replace of milk on cereal. No, I didn't go that far, but I used it pretty, pretty much in replace of a lot of the... Yeah. Yeah, in, in my last practice, we actually did a hummus challenge um, where we got some different hummus and some different things to dip in yeah. the hummus. So it... it sort of range from your normal crackers and then we had some mm. unusual things and we we discovered that the actual um they were dipping chocolate fingers into hummus all right quite quite nice yeah that went down quite well R- really yeah. okay chili goes well with hummus <laughs> yes it does what doesn't go well with hummus is is truffles 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 i like truffles and, uh, and chop some truffles up once and put them in a homemade hummus. And yeah. it tasted awful. You need something that's a little bit acidic. Mm. And, um, and, and and truffles ain't it. Yeah. So, I quite like a bit of extra garlic in mine. Well. If you get some hummus and mix it up with a little bit of soy sauce, Ooh. a little bit of rice wine vinegar, and some mirin. Right. Uh, and just have that on aubergine. Ooh. Delicious. Nice. Sort so of. are you are you cooking your aubergine with this on top or no cook, cook your aubergine first right fry, fry little, that um, or... yeah little, little lard uh, sorry little um, olive oil or something <laughs> and um a vegetable lard 
you know, for, for a bit, bit of olive oil. And, um, and then just pour a mix of hummus, soy sauce, rice wine vinegar, and mirin over it. Right, okay. I shall try that, give you my really verdict. Mm. Chop some garlic over it as well. Mm. Oh, yeah, garlic it, with everything, yeah. Mm. Isn't that the recipe you told me I had to put on my steak last week? <laughs> Pretty it much. Be very without, versatile. Without, without the hummus. <laughs> <laughs> Anna, Anna, I need to ask you this. I need to ask you this. You, you've had several careers. Yeah. Um, you, you're a little bit younger than Julian and I, but you've already had several careers. Yeah. And enthusiastically dived into these careers and have had the courage to take on a whole new career. Yeah. At a time where most people are beginning to settle down in their in their groove to, mm. to stick with things. So if you could write a letter to your 18-year-old self, a, a letter for our younger listeners is a bit like an email and it's on paper. Mm. And you, yeah. you, you, you right. use okay. or a crayon, yeah? yeah. So if you could write a letter to your 18-year-old self, mm. giving your 18-year-old self a word of advice, what would you actually say? I'd probably say not to put any pressure on yourself okay. and just to kind of follow your heart really of what, what you're passionate about and sort of don't be afraid to try new things. You know, sometimes things might feel out of reach, but if you really want something and you, you work hard for it, then you can achieve it really. And, you know, always do something that you're going to enjoy. Cause I think if you go into do anything, whether it be a career or whatnot, if you don't, enjoy it you're just you're going to get bored and you're going to lose your passion and mm-hmm. yeah that's okay. what I probably tell myself and probably just stop partying as much and going to festivals yeah, <laughs> definitely so, tell, tell myself that so that 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 sounds absolutely amazing when when for you was that transition because obviously at 18 you're you're a little bit older than that now you're now telling your 18 year old self just to let go and follow your dreams and d- just do it. Just, yeah. just say yes and, and make it happen. So when did that first start happening for you? I guess it was when I started working with animals. Um, so I'd done my stuff with the bats. And then when the job came up, um, working with the exotics in the therapy side of things, um, I'd done like a short course in counselling. I'd done like a level one. Right. Um, so I was quite interested in, in, in mental health um, as well. Um, I'd had some events in my life that had triggered depression and anxiety. Um, so I was quite interested in, in mm. coping mechanisms and things. And uh, I guess it was when I went for that job because I, I still wasn't 100% sure whether I could work with these animals with my allergies. Right. Um, so I went for my interview, didn't mention these allergies at all. Right. Got the job <laughs> and just kind of, fingers crossed when I went round to sort of meet all the animals and whatnot. Um, and, and, uh, I was actually okay. So I thought, right, well, I can work with animals. Like so, I've always loved animals. So um, do you think the allergies were just things your mum said when you said, mum, can we have a cat? Oh no, you've got allergies. Oh, oh. A dog no, because I allergies. actually brought a cat in and this is how I discovered I had allergies. Mm. Um, one of our neighbours rescued a cat. He, 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 um, he worked in a factory and there was feral cats and they were actually shooting them. And he brought mm-hmm. this little cat back. Um, I don't think he really wanted a cat, but this was this new cat on the neighbourhood. So I was like, right, I'm going to steal this cat. Um, so, you know, got the treats, give it a lot of force, and it ended up just coming into our house. And, you know, it made me severely ill, but I think actually having that cat 
he was with us for years until um until he, he sort of he passed away and um my allergies just kind of got got better so I think mm. somehow maybe I became immune to to these allergies so maybe I don't know I think I think cat fleas and cat dander can actually trigger quite a few allergies in in, in younger people and yeah so, yeah you know, possibly I think so Possibly looking at the the history of this particular cat. (laughs) (laughs) I still think your mum made it up. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I I challenge her on that. Mum, because I'm really allergic now. I still want to have a cat. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, tell you what, Julian. Tell you what. Have you got a CPD certificate for tonight? I have. Now, where is it? He says, pretending to look around for it. Oh, here it is. Don't look so shocked, Anna. No, so Anna, you, you've provided some very good, very succinct CPD. Yes, yeah. Un- unfortunately, although I've got lots of pictures on this, I'll go through in a minute. The one picture I didn't get was hummus. Was a hummus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not good enough. I'm going to have to edit that. We'll, we'll, we'll edit it. It'll be fine. It'll work out. It'll work out. But, but what I did do was, was to print out this. It says, Certificate oh. of Mostelidae Duda. This certifies that ferrets and polecats, polecats rather, are proudly considered to be the main dudes. Stick one down your trousers now. And I have a picture there of a bat. This oh, was in the Tuatalinga in Malaysia. Beautiful. So it's, it's the Malaysian frog-nosed bat. I made that name up. Oh. Um, I didn't have any pictures of ferrets, or at you least I can't have find any one. pictures of ferrets? Well, <clears throat> I'm sure I must have, but I couldn't find one. But what I do have is a picture of a ferret skin there with um, with a little mast cell tumour. Oh, interesting so, you say that because we're removing one on Monday. Are you? Well, suspected mast cell tumour, yes. Yeah. And it yeah, looks just was, like that, so yeah. It, yeah, it's confirmed the ferret did very well afterwards. Brilliant. Uh, this is this is a water rat, little Ooh. water rat here. And the only reason I put that in is because it's a picture I took of a wild water rat colony near us. They're obviously rodents, not mustelidae. Mm. But it reminded me that when we talk of, of wind in the willows, and we've got Badger, and Badger goes out for a walk and wants to see his friend Ratty, that is in fact a water rat, not a not a brown rat or a black rat. He knows that, that, that Ratty has been that way because he can see the little dents that Ratty's galoshes make in the mud. Um, and so <laughs> I thought, well, if we're talking about Badgers generally and, and, and uh, mustelidae, then we've got a, we've got a little Ratty there. Yeah, I like your, your way of thinking. Thank you. Thanks. Not, not many people do. Um, you mentioned ten wrecks, and so there's a little ten oh, wreck there, yeah. being hand fed. Yeah. Um, and this, you know, what this is looks like a meerkat. It does look like a meerkat. Is it doesn't look like a meerkat. It's not though. It's not though. They attack cobras in India. Ooh. Oh. Um, oh. Um, Ricky Ticky Tavy. Ricky Ticky Tavy. Yeah. Um, a mongoose. 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 Yeah. Oh. Absolutely. Little mongoose, uh, and uh, the, the top that picture is me holding in my hand a little pipistrelli bat. Oh, it must have only been a, a week or so old. It wasn't very old. It was yeah. very old, uh, and it made it. it made it. It made it through. Yeah. Oh yeah. God! Wow. Um, wow. I, I, I did. It, it had um, torn its wing, mm. and so I, I sewed that and then gave it back to the bat rescue, who, uh, mm. who, who took it on from there, and uh, they were able to. To release it back into the wild. Oh, wow. what a result! Yeah, yeah. Mm, they do quite well with them um, with tears, wing tears. They tend to 
heel really amazingly quite sort of even 20 pea sized tears can give time can heal really well uh, absolutely i spend about two hours micro suturing this thing yeah, I was gonna say, and then realized about a month later i needed to bother me i could have yeah. just left it and it would have yeah. I didn't want to tell you that. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. It was, yeah, they do heal. It was, it was really enjoyable at the time. I my little loops out and was using eight Nord Vicryl to sew it. But um, yeah, so it was good fun. But yeah, I didn't need to have done it. Dairy strip next time. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> or a bit of glue. Or a bit Excuse of glue, yeah. 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 There we go. Oh, brilliant stuff. Absolutely so, brilliant. So thank you. A well-deserved CBD certificate there. Minus the hummus. Minus the hummus. Well, well that's absolutely. Yeah, sorry. You can't have everything that. in life, can you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Although I could say that this certificate is a homage <laughs> to you, <laughs> and therefore, as an homage, there is a sense of hummus about yeah. it. Yeah, that sounds there good. There we go. I'll, I'll, I'll on that note, I think I'd better be saying if you've enjoyed if you've enjoyed the show, don't forget to click like, subscribe, tell your friends about us. If you didn't enjoy it, don't tell anybody. Just keep it to yourself. And if if you've got any topics that you'd like us to cover, then drop us a line and we'll see if we can uh, actually uh, humour you or hummus you or or whatever or whatever hummus you so, hummus you yeah. <laughs> so on that note, Anna, Anna Mercer. Ferret Nurse, thank you very much indeed for your time. And oh, you are welcome. Your, your valuable insights and your enthusiasm. Oh, very much you. appreciated. So thank you very much. Yeah, thanks may for your all dog, that. May your dog go with you. Cheers. May your dog go with you. May your dog go with you. The water. Cheers. It's not gin. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> it's vodka. It's vodka. <laughs> And cut. Is that it? And cut. Yeah. Finish. Is it cut, cut, cut? Yeah. That was brilliant. It was brilliant. It's really good to meet you, Anna. Oh, yeah, you too. Thanks and, for having me on. And thank you for sharing oh. your enthusiasm because oh, it comes across. You. Good. Really good. does. I hope so. Yeah. yeah. Positive it enthusiasm. Does. It's lovely. And uh, <laughs> maybe we should get you over at uh, BVNA doing some talks on ferret. Oh. Husbandry. Yes. That would be, um, that would be amazing. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. I think the veterinary world needs a ferret advocate. I think. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think so. that's what I'm lacking. When I actually started the, when I was looking to do like my Instagram page and whatnot, there, there wasn't another. There was loads of like you know rabbit nurses and rodent nurses, and I was like, there isn't even another. There's not another ferret nurse in the whole world. No. What's going on? No, no, there isn't. 